Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Now, I made a promise. I, I can't do all COVID all the time, but when the governor of New Jersey is ending the mask requirement in schools, well, it feeds into the Johns Hopkins study that shows that lockdowns didn't do a damn thing. That leads us to a story about students locked out of schools for refusing to wear masks while the mayor of Los Angeles and the governor of California, they don't wear masks to take pictures with people. They've got excuses for everything. Same thing with Stacey Abrams. Excuses and excuses, but your children should suffer. But when the Democratic governor of New Jersey is like, yeah, we're done with this. You start to realize that the pressure campaign may have paid off. Because elections are coming, and masks are a guaranteed loser in an election. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. That is the number. Happy to hear from you. Patrick Murphy saying new COVID cases in New Jersey down 95%. Back to pre-Omicron levels, so they don't need the masks anymore. The masks had absolutely no effect on COVID in New Jersey. The masks don't have an effect on COVID anywhere. We know this. We don't need to keep going over it. We have studies to show it. We're not discussing the, the stopping of droplets, which a mask can stop. We're discussing things that are aerosolized, which a mask does not stop. Never mind the kind of masks that are worn, including our own CDC telling us that cloth masks don't work. And if you have a mask with more than a three millimeter gap, the efficacy of that mask goes down to 3% according to the University of Waterloo and their studies. But let's keep up the trend, shall we? Let's keep up a trend with actually engaging the data and not being involved in the insanity because there's actual data. There's actual data going on here. And the data teaches us something. Now, there'll be a lot of people who don't want to believe in science. They don't want to pay attention to science. They want to utilize science for their, their political end, not us. We just want to know what the hell's going on. Tell us what's going on, and we're very, very cool with it. Honesty. So here's what the science tells us. Wyatt! Here's what we've got so far in this Johns Hopkins study, by the way. Uh, that, that, that is a movie uh, that will let you know whether or not you're, you're, you're Gen X or whether you're a millennial. That song, the name Wyatt. You now know the difference between the ages. Producer Ari, have you ever seen Weird Science? Yeah, but I, it took me a minute to figure out what you are talking about. Okay. Case rested. Just one of those things. John Hopkins... Johns Hopkins uh, puts out a study. The study is quite interesting. The study shows that lockdowns prevented or, 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 or lowered mortality, I should say, 
lowered the mortality rate by 0.2%. 0.2% reduction of COVID deaths. That's what the study finds. Now, we should note some other things within the study. The study authors say that the closing of non-essential businesses, like, for example, a bar or restaurant, reduced COVID-19 mortality by 10.6%. And people are going to point to that and say, well, see, it did some good. No, we know better. We know that's not true. Our study shows that the benefits of lockdowns in terms of fewer deaths are questionable and small. This, according to Jonas Herbie, special advisor at the Center for Political Studies in Copenhagen. It's a survey of previous studies. They went through this meta-analysis, going through and seeing what lockdowns did. And here's the quote. They've contributed to reducing economic activity, raising unemployment, reducing schooling, causing political unrest, contributing to domestic violence, and undermining liberal democracy. But we saved a life. As we've said before on this program, there are things far worse than dying, which freaks people out. But then again, very often, those people have never read a book. (laughs) There are things far worse than dying. Closing bars reduced mortality by 10.6%. I argue honestly and clearly without question that the damage done is far worse than what the mortality rate would have been. If only because if you make the argument that if we all stay in our homes, nobody will die, why don't you just make the argument that everybody has to not drive after 6 p.m.? No cars on the road after 6 p.m., you'll have fewer deaths. Makes perfect sense, right? You can't drive. Only the approved government vehicles can drive because, after all, uh, the government, oh, praise its name, must continue. Fewer deaths. See, it'll be worth it. The destruction of the human to be able to go about living their lives, the American citizen engaged in American citizen kind of things, the loss of trade, the loss of this, that, and the other. But it's okay because we saved lives, don't you know? Oh, and look, the environment's much better too because we have less CO2 on the roads. The environmentalists got a, um, can, uh, can I get a ruling on environmental chubby? <laughs> oh my God. On the idea of COVID because... There were less people driving, like, oh, this is so great. We should do this at least once a month. But it wasn't so great, now was it? Not at all. Not in any way. You could say, hey, you know, if you only stay in this one room, you, uh, you, you, you'll, sure, you'll, you'll, it's like putting someone in prison. Yeah, you're in prison. Yeah, you can't go outside. Yeah, you can't hang out with your friends. But think of how long your sneakers will last now. You want to find a good piece of data? It's out there, baby. The environmentalists, all sorts of, of just super duper excited about the idea uh, that there were less emissions on the road. Yes, 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 yes. But didn't give a damn about the destruction that came with it. And that's how you know an ideologue. They don't care about the destruction. What we destroyed. What we destroyed cannot be described. 
the lives that we destroyed, the businesses that we destroyed, the opportunity that we destroyed, and the very concepts of liberty and the liberty society and liberty being different from freedom, the entire concept of your rights and how you fight for them. We eliminated. We ripped apart. I was told when I went, I, I, I remember clearly, here I am, Indianapolis, Indiana, and I tweet out when this is when we're talking about these lockdowns and talking about these shutdowns, you cannot stop society to save society. It was a very simple thing to say and also factual. You will note, guys, that everything that you and I have been discussing for two years, we've been right on 95%. And the reason we've been right is not because we're smarter, although we may very well be smarter, it's that we are more honest than the others. And all I said was you cannot stop society to save society. That was it. Simple, simple statement. And I had pseudo-intellectual so-called journalists in Indianapolis retweeting me saying, this guy is going to get people killed. I was right, and they were wrong. I was right, and these pseudo-intellectuals, these half-wits... These people who are desperate to be woke. These people who are desperate to be invited to the cool kids party. These people who live in fear and have probably taught their children to live in fear. And wanted your kids to live in fear. We're wrong. And they love it when your kids live in fear. Stacey Abrams, who's all about lying about what voting rights are. It's not voting rights if you can't hand out a bottle of water in line. Stop it. That's not even a thing. These voting bills in Georgia and Texas, it stops black people from voting. No, it doesn't. That's all a lie told by liars. But she was one of these people. Oh, mask this, mask that. Sure. Except when she goes to a school. She goes to a school and she's sitting there with a bunch of kids. She's actually sitting on the ground with the kids. Maybe they're in first grade. Maybe they're in second grade. And they take a picture. She's smiling. Big smile. She's smiling. Uh, you can't. You don't know if the kids are smiling because the kids are in masks. She's not in a mask. The kids are in masks. And it's like, what that? What? What? What the hell is this? But we see this a lot. First, we see a lot where there are adults not in masks and kids in masks. Why in the world would you do that? Well, what's happened is, is that you scared kids out of their mind and then you force your fears onto kids. The kid has to wear a mask, the adult, uh, whatever. Anybody who forces their kid into a mask is someone I disagree with, but it's your kid. Your kid, you can do with what you will. Anybody who believes that children de facto should be forced into masks because of their fear isn't a part of civil society and should not be listened to. They're amongst the most ugly people around. When the governor of California says your kid has to be a mask and your kid has to be vaccinated to go to school, but there he is. There he is at, at a football game taking pictures with Magic Johnson, formerly of the Lakers, without a mask. What am I supposed to believe? This guy? This liar? When the mayor of Los Angeles, Eric Garcetti, is taking pictures without a mask on at a football game, and he says, look, I don't know why you people are so angry. I held my breath. You held your breath? This was his response. I held my breath. 
I took a picture. I, I saw the picture. No, you weren't. You're a liar. You're all liars. You want people to live in fear, and you don't have it yourself. You live the way you want to live. These people you believe should suffer. Elected officials up and down the line, plenty of people in culture. They are liars and they are frauds. And they're okay with your destruction as long as they profit. You'll notice when I told you about the people telling me I was going to get people killed, I said it was a so-called journalist because it is a so-called journalist. Multitudes. You notice they never had to worry about their paycheck. They kept getting paid. You, you own a restaurant. Ah, you got to suffer. No, you can't be in business. Oh, you hire 32 people? No, too bad. The journalist doesn't hire Jack Squat. I don't argue that journalism isn't important, but let's also be clear that the journalist doesn't hire, doesn't build. They're takers. Maybe I should be more clear about it. These types of journalists don't hire, don't deliver jack squat to society. They're takers. There you go. Maybe that's a little bit better. A little more, a little more clear. They didn't care that the other people lost out on lives and livelihoods. Whatever. We'll just write our story about why they're bad people for even questioning it. Yep, that's journalisming. Doop, doop, doop. Here, let me type it out. That was me actually typing on my keyboard, and now I'm going to need a new keyboard. That's that. That was that. I what I do for you is just un- unbelievable. I don't know what I did to my computer, but what I do for you, I do it for you. St. John's study is a very interesting study, and I will tell you that I'm still going through it. I think there's going to be a lot of people going through it. I think there are going to be people who find specific issues with sections of it. I I, I think that that's that's rational. I think that's rational and can come. But what is not questionable is that we know for a fact that the people who are screaming about, look at the lives we saved, are unserious people and don't care about the lives that were destroyed. And they should care incredibly about them. If they don't, we will. There were no lives worth saving that were based on that that are acceptable based on destroying other people's lives. And the line that is clear here is about undermining liberal democracy. Yes, the lockdowns did that. Really, those who supported the lockdowns well after we knew the facts, they did that. They were fine with it. As a matter of fact, they were excited about it just like those environmentalists. I'm Tony Katz. So the Republican National Committee censures Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. I don't know if I care. Right? Maybe I care and maybe I don't care. Maybe there's something very important to it. Maybe there's nothing to it at all. Cheney and Kinzinger of Wyoming and Illinois, respectively, are part of this January 6th nonsense. I had 
keyed in on a story regarding Mitt Romney. Because he responded to this censure from the Republican National Committee saying, shame falls on a party that would censor persons of conscience who seek truth in the face of vitriol. Honor attaches to Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger for seeking truth, even when doing so comes at great personal cost. That's a swing and a miss from Mitt Romney. You also have Michael Steele, former chairman of the Republican Party, very, very upset with this. Uh, Michael Steele stopped being a Republican long ago. Uh, Mitt Romney's issue is the same issue that Liz Cheney has with the fact that she was removed from leadership. She's allowed to think January 6th was awful. She, No one's going to stop her. But she isn't focused on things that move a party nor a nation. We have to find out what happened. We, we, we know what happened. We would like to know why people were invited in. We would like to know if there was any lessened security or maybe why there wasn't more heightened uh, security. Those things we want to know. But Kinzinger and Cheney are engaged in a conversation uh, about never Trump, not in a conversation about knowledge. They certainly aren't helping anything because these are things that could be found out without any level of committee. A committee that is focused on affecting the midterms. And dude, man, this Trump fetishism. I mean, it is fetishism. It is, it is uh, a fet- you know for sure that when you take a look at, at Adam Kinzinger's ball gag, it says Donnie on it. I'm not even judging. I think that stuff's fine. You go live your life. Do what makes you happy. The safe word is grapefruit. But not this committee. This committee isn't about getting information, about creating something better. It's not what this committee's about. It's not what the committee is about. And Cheney and Kinzinger should know that. But they aren't about the thing that I'm discussing. They're about the never-Trumpness. So why shouldn't they be excoriated for it? Why shouldn't they be shamed for it? Because if they were to focus on what happened and problems, that would work. You know who proved this? Mike Pence. Now, usually this story just bores me to tears. But he said something that did not bore me. Pence saying something about Trump? Yeah, it's good. It's good. I've got that story coming up. Keep it here. On Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, rumble.com slash Tony Katz. The Morning Rumble, it's every day at 10 a.m. Eastern. Don't miss it. You can go see it. Well, after the show. But you can check it out now. I'm Tony Katz. So will Russia walk into Ukraine this week? That's the question. The latest reporting says, uh, yeah, this is this is happening. There's a U.S. intelligence assessment, according to NBC News, that found the troop losses for Ukraine could be as high as 25,000 killed or wounded, while the Russians could lose as many as 10,000 troops. But that's predicated on an idea that's predicated on the idea that the the Ukrainian military will fight. 
Now, I'm not saying that they won't. What I haven't is is a full understanding of if they would. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It is so good to be with you. Everything at TonyKatz.com. Uh, and uh, can I tell you that, that I was gone for a couple days and missed Jeff Zucker being pushed out of CNN? Uh, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never live it down. I can never leave again. I can never leave again. Like, to have missed that story, I will get into it because Brian Stelter and Chris Wallace are weeping. And honestly, their, their tears are delicious. Their tears are deli- like candy are their tears. Will the Ukrainians fight for Ukraine? Will they say, you know what? It's a half of Ukraine that has a lot of people who ethnically tie themselves to Russia. Leave it be. Leave it be, which would be a crazy thing to hear. But it it is possible. So will we see the movement? Uh, The answer is yes, and you could see it during the Olympics. The opening ceremonies have come and gone. Putin was out there for the opening ceremonies. Ukraine comes out. He's kind of dozing off. Oh, good Lord. Well, here we are. Here we are. This can happen. According to officials, the Russian military is at 70% of the Ukraine military buildup, meaning they have assembled at least 70% of the military firepower it likely intends to have in place. They expect to do this within the next week. Everything they would need for a full-scale invasion and takeover. I mean, full control. Either that or it's all bluff. Either that or it's all a bluff. And we don't know. He's there talking uh, with people. People are trying to make deals and people are... Are are uh, you know trying to figure out whether or not he he's going to do this or not? Is it all a bluff? And you got to you got to go in in the room and make the deal. So the United States is still talking, trying to get to a deal. Well, what 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 deal can be made? Is it the United States' responsibility to keep Russia out of Ukraine? There's a legitimate question to ask about what's in it for us. And there are things in it for us. The less expansionist Russia is, the better off we are. The less power they have through, through land and other things, the better off we are. the less they can spread their level of hegemony. I mean, yes, they'll eventually have to deal with China when China decides to turn on them. That's going to happen. It's just not going to happen today because right now you might as well work together to be able to take on us. We're the thing in the way. We're the impediment. We're the thing keeping China from getting Taiwan. We're the thing keeping uh, Russia uh, from uh, getting uh, Ukraine or maybe anything else that, that it wants. I mean, we, just, we, we, we know this to be true. So we're going to see how this plays out. I have not found myself uh, in a place where I'm like, yeah, we should uh, be in this fight. I am not so sure. 
But something got said the other day on this show from Noah Rothman. I don't agree with everything he said. But he said two things that I thought were extremely important. Uh, he, he first uh, talked uh, about the idea of, of a bluff. You have to call a bluff. If Russia is going to say we're going to invade and you just sit there, well, then Russia wasn't bluffing. They did the thing. They invade. You got to call a bluff to see if it is indeed a bluff. And then uh, he said uh, deterrence, war is not deterrence. Deterrence prevents a war. Once you're in a war, the deterrence didn't work. I think those are two solid, solid points. But the idea of having to engage militarily, he does not have me there. I have not, I am not yet in on that argument. And then I came across this story about housing markets, and I was in Florida for, for a, a few days. And I, I, I'm trust me, I'm not thinking about moving uh, to, to, to Florida. There's no part of me. That's moving to Florida. I know myself. I lived uh, in Florida for, for, for a long while on two different occasions. I'm good. And vacationing in Florida is not the same lifestyle. There I am. I'm having a cigar. I'm overlooking the water. It's gorgeous. That's not the everyday. So you can't, you can't do it like that. So I'm not thinking of that, but the story came over about these are the hot markets where they expect home values are going to appreciate at a faster rate than the rest of the nation. And that's, is it the top? So the top two are Florida and three of the top 10 are Florida. So it, it, should, I, should I do 10 to one? Should we count it down? Because Texas did uh, only got two of the 10. So Austin is 10th and Orlando is 9th. Phoenix is number eight. What I find interesting about the Phoenix conversation, I, I, I went to school at Arizona State. I happen to love Arizona. Love, love, love Arizona. I love the fact that people are willing to move to a place where they can't even guarantee water. If it wasn't for the fight they have over the Colorado River, water would be a serious issue. And people are still willing to go. Atlanta was number seven. It is the capital of the South which is I often make, you know, for, for, for where I live in Indianapolis, I make the argument that, that Indianapolis should be pushing itself to be the capital of the Midwest. Make that claim. But it's hard to do when Nashville's number six. This, this, the, the, look, there's a leadership issue at play here. Your city may have this issue uh, as well, right? I think Atlanta uh, feels that. You know, on weekends, uh, this show is heard on WSB in, in, in Atlanta and, I think they'll tell you they got issues. There are counties and areas that would love to get out of being part of of, of Atlanta. Isn't Buckhead trying to sue to be its own city and not be a part of Atlanta? Because they, okay, you 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 take our money, and and we don't we don't get anything out of it. We don't get anything out of it at all. So Nashville six, Charlotte is number five, San Antonio's number four, and Raleigh is number three. And number two and number one, Jacksonville and Tampa. These are, are the hottest markets. The question before us is, with interest rates going up, exactly how long is a hot market a hot market? With interest rates growing, 
And that means house prices are also going to go up. Or I should, I should say that. No, no. House prices have gone up. Now the interest rate's going to go up. Now house prices are going to fall. Does the hot market change? Or does that not change because everyone's dealing with the same type of, of issues and people just want to go where they want to go? Why Tampa? I lived in Tampa twice in my life. I'm good. Lovely city, just not my city. Still have some friends in Tampa, met my wife in Tampa. So, you know, I got that out of it. Just never my, never my city. So I'm not sure why that over a Fort Lauderdale or over uh, over Orlando or, or, or even Jacksonville. You know, I'm not, not 100% sure about why that is. And I'm not sure whether or not these are going to continue to be uh, the hot markets. But you'll notice uh, no cold places on the list. None. So the cold places need to be much, much more aggressive in getting people to show up. This list is extremely important for people uh, like Indiana, Minnesota, places that want to grow, places throughout Ohio that want to grow, that want to build, but uh, you've got natural things you have to deal with. And one of the natural things is people like to be warm. So you got to have other things uh, you got to offer. You better be able to offer. I, fo- I follow that stuff. Curious about that stuff. Uh, then, uh, speaking of the cold weather, this happened in New Jersey. A place called Lakewood. I actually grew up not too far from Lakewood. I grew up in Middletown, New Jersey. And the video shows a snowplow worker. As you know, it was massive snow everywhere. everywhere. I, I was in Florida. I didn't feel it. Massive snow everywhere from Texas all the way up through, through New Jersey. And there are a couple of guys working a snowplow. And in Lakewood, there's a very large Orthodox Jewish community, right? Uh, the, the, you see the hair down near the, near the cheeks and curls. That's called payas. And in the suits, always wearing a, a kippah or a yarmulke, a head covering, um, things like that. And uh, there's two people walking, clearly uh, Orthodox Jews. And so the plow worked to position the snow so it would slam up on these two people walking. The guy who did it got fired. So this guy sees them, hits them with the snow, and then on the video which someone posted, and they're laughing about it. He says, this one's for you, JC. I, I have to assume JC um, means Jesus Christ. I, I'm only guessing. Look, I'm no expert. I'm only guessing that's what it means. That's, that's just a messed up guy. Yeah, he got fired. You know, if he hadn't shot the video, no one would even know. Someone would have complained. They would be, oh, I guess I didn't see them, and that would be it. There's nothing greater than when the fools show it to you, you know, who they are. Now, was this an act of anti-Semitism? I'm going to argue no. This is just a schmuck. I mean, a really, really, really large schmuck doing schmucky things because that's what schmucks do. There's a difference. I don't know, maybe I'll learn more about him, and it was. Just some people are fools. The best part is they show themselves as fools. 
Meanwhile, Jeff Zucker's out at CNN, but Jonah Goldberg's in. That story up next. I'm Tony Katz. That I missed Jeff Zucker being removed from CNN. I, 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 I feel just awful about that. That I couldn't share that with you. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. Jeff Zucker had an affair. And then he told us I was wrong. Yeah, you, you were wrong. You had an affair with an underling. I mean, that's the story. Someone who also worked at CNN. And you had all the time in the world to do something about it, to say something about it, and you didn't. But the story here is actually about Chris Cuomo. Supposedly this was found out while they were investigating Chris Cuomo and everything he had done wrong because Cuomo was suing CNN for $20 million. But there was nothing here to investigate. It was an open secret among CNN that these two were having... Um, the uh, the affair. And the person he was having the affair with was like their chief spokesperson. People knew it. As a matter of fact, they're wondering why she hasn't been fired and they're pretty upset about it, some of the female staffers. But the idea of getting rid of Zucker was to help them bolster their case against Cuomo. See, we don't tolerate these things here. That kind of of, of thing. And does it really hurt them to get rid of Jeff Zucker? He's been terrible. He destroyed the network. Good for politics and his politics, bad for everything else. We've all suffered. I got to assume the CNN people have suffered, but a couple people have benefited greatly. One of those people is Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter was Zucker's golden boy. Lapdog, whatever you want to call it. And without Zucker... Well, what's his future? Who's there to protect him? When you've got the ear, remember, if you you go back and listen to the music of of Hamilton, they talk about how uh, Alexander Hamilton had the ear of George Washington. That's what made him safe. But without Washington, what was he really? Where was his strength? Where was his safety? Finally, we can take him on. We can take him out. We can cut him at the knees. Stelter had Zucker. Now what does he have? Now what does he have? He doesn't have much. Maybe he's got Tubin, but Tubin is sometimes a little busy, you know, working on himself. The other story is about Chris Wallace, who was doing Sundays, Fox News Sunday at Fox News Channel, but he left. He left to go do work with CNN, more ideologically his speed. Well, what I didn't know is that Chris Wallace is not a fan of Jake Tapper. Well, who is? Jake Tapper is a jerk. But Jake Tapper is not a fan of Chris Wallace. And now that Zucker is out, Wallace is infuriated. I came here because Zucker promised me this and Zucker promised me that and Zucker promised me the other. I gave up a Sunday show on Fox News for this? And now I'm going to have Tapper... Crawling around, you know, bothering me, trying to get me fired, trying to get me out, maybe trying to take a gig when I'm trying to take a gig from him and all that. Oh, it couldn't happen to a better group of people, I tell you. Could not happen to a better group of people.
What I am hoping is that this leads to a better CNN that actually engages news and stops hating everybody who disagrees with them. Stop reporting on Fox and start reporting on news. That would be great. That would be terrific, and I'd greatly appreciate it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they'll do it. I really and truly do not know if they have the strength or the decency to do it. However, the company that is taking over CNN, uh, Discovery, which has engaged the purchase of CNN and part of Warner, actually came out last week and said, you know, CNN is the leader in left news. Said the words, not news, left news. So who knows what we'll see. All I know is if Jonah Goldberg could get a job there, doesn't doesn't look like they're changing their political stripes. Facebook Tony Katz Radio, Instagram Tony Katz, keep it right here.